Welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, August 24th, 2017. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, yesterday we got the official press release as to who would be joining uh, producer and co-host Susan Haskins in their rotating seat. I don't know if anybody can completely replace Michael Riedel. That might be a good thing. But they have announced the new people that will be rotating in beginning in October. That includes The New York Times' Jesse Green, uh, Time Out New York's Adam Feldman, uh, Donna Hanover from uh, CUNY TV, Michael Musto from Out.com, Elizabeth Vincent. Satelli, um, who we love and has done a bunch of stuff, uh, Jason Zinneman, and our very own Jan Simpson, uh, who is one of our regular pinch hitters over on This Week on Broadway. She is um, an author and a, a blogger and the director of arts and cultural reporting at CUNY's Graduate School of Juno- Journalism. So congratulations to Jan. That's awesome. I didn't know this was happening. So that'll be really fun to see her on the TV or on the Internet or however you watch theater talk. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. That's great. And uh, it, it's quite the lineup. I mean, uh, wow. That, I, I think that it's uh, it's really great that Theater Talk is going to reinvent itself. Are you saying this might be an improvement? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Fair <laughs> enough. There you go. You said it, not me. I and, and I love Riedel. You know. I know you're friends with Riedel. He's I'm been on. He's I'm been on this week on Broadway. Yeah. Yeah, I love Riedel. Um, but uh, this is great to get a lot of people in and a lot of new blood and new faces. And uh, let's see how it goes. All right, first up in the news, we couldn't bring this to you yesterday because they wanted no. us to wait so long. So we skipped. Ten a.m. Come on, ten a.m. Come on, man. John Leguizamo's Latin History for Morons comes to Broadway this fall. Only morons yeah. wait until ten a.m. <laughs> I know. Come on, be like uh, Scott Rudin and give it to us at 10 p.m. Uh, yeah. when we can still drop it in in the episode. Yeah. No, but yesterday morning, promptly at 10 a.m., even though we knew the night before, we learned that John Leguizamo's one-man show, Latin History for Morons, would be coming to Broadway's Studio 54, put a pen in that, later this year, following runs at the Berkeley Rep in California and the Public Theater Off-Broadway. The show will begin previews in Roundabout's second-largest venue on October 19th, ahead of a November 15th opening and is currently scheduled to play through February 4th. While RTC subscribers will receive tickets to the show, it is not an official co-production with Roundabout. The show will be again directed by Tony Tacone, as it was in its two previous incarnations. And in the show, Leguizamo schools his son and the rest of us on the buried and forgotten history of Latinos in the Americas in this funny, satirical one-man play about uncovering the truth and recovering from the past. James, as I'm sure you you know this is Leguizamo's fourth Broadway solo show following Freak, Sexaholics, and Ghetto Clown. He won drama desks for Freak and Ghetto Clown and was nominated for a Tony for Freak. That was in the days where they still had the special theatrical production Tony that they no longer have. He also starred in the very short-lived 2008 revival of David Mamet's American Buffalo opposite Cedric the Entertainer and Haley Joel Osment. That's one hell of a cast. Um so this is great. We've talked about when we actually when we've talked about this very show before. We both talked about how much we love Leguizamo and uh, think what he does is so unique and so special. But other than that, James, you know, to me, the most interesting part of this is how it impacts roundabout season. I've talked about it earlier this week. I wrote about it on Broadway World uh, last week. But with this going into Studio 54, that almost completely guarantees that we won't have a musical on 
or off-Broadway during roundabouts 2017-2018 theatrical season. They do have a slight window for the American Airlines, but I'd be shocked if they threw a musical in there. Um, now, that does mean our RTC subscription season generally does go into the summer, as the currently running Marvin's Room is still part of last season's subscription series, so they could put a musical on the end in one of their venues to open up the 2018-2019 theatrical season that's still part of the 17-18 subscription season. Um, and there is the possibility that Beautiful could close at the Stephen Sondheim and making that available, but as I mentioned earlier this week, I wouldn't count on it. James, yesterday we talked about I think that this would make subscribers upset, and while you thought it could disappoint them, you think that Roundabout's track record of doing one or two really incredible shows every year will probably keep people from canceling their subscriptions because they're upset about not getting a musical in any Roundabout venue this season. Yeah, um, and maybe Roundabout is looking at what is coming up. Uh, I mean, we have a lot of high-profile things coming in that are musical-based, mm -hmm. so maybe they're counter-programming, and you know, maybe they're thinking, I just can't go up against King Kong. That's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think you know, we we've, we've all heard rumors about what they've been trying to get into Broadway from a musical standpoint and they just couldn't make it work. Um, I think it also might be interesting that from all of those rumors, they weren't original productions to roundabout. They were other things um, coming from somewhere else. I guess there was one revival that, that would have been original to them, but I have to wonder if maybe they're looking to get a big something in to the Sondheim whenever it closes. I don't, I don't know, but um, I think roundabout subscribers are probably used to having a musical or two, uh, in their season. And I, I don't know how this will affect them. Hopefully it doesn't cause a lot of people to unsubscribe or cancel their subscriptions because roundabout does such great work. Um, but it is kind of a little bit of disappointment for people who wanted at least one musical. Ah, you know, well, uh, I don't know because I haven't subscribed to anything like this in so <laughs> yeah. long, how this rub it in, rub it in how this is going to affect it. But I'm not the typical subscriber base anyway. Uh, no. So that that would be interesting to see if there's any pushback. I wonder, and I don't think that roundabout subscribers are typically posters on the Broadway World chat boards, are they? Uh, I don't know. That's a, that's a much different clientele <laughs> than most theater uh, subscriptions, I would imagine. And I love them. I, I, I love that message board, so... <laughs> Don't anger the message board. <laughs> we love you, Patty. We love you. LemonLyman.com. All right. Uh, show and casting news. Rumors continue to swirl around Lauren Molina and My Fair Lady. No, not Lauren Molina. Lauren Ambrose. Oh, did I say Lauren Molina? You did. That would be great casting. I would love that. Oh, um, yeah. Yes. Especially if she did it in the Skivvies. The whole Skivvies <laughs> team could do the whole My Fair Lady thing. That's a uh, whole Nick new thing. Nick Searley could be a very good Freddie Einsford Hill. Oh, yeah. Scrap the whole th – get Bart Scher on the phone. <laughs> you, you're the one who has his – actually, I have his number too, but yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> anyway, let's do that again. No, you can go ahead. You want to keep it? Yeah. All right, fine. Yes, more rumors continue to swirl about Lauren Ambrose. Yesterday, Page Six reported the rumor that we had discussed on Monday's show that the former Six Feet Under star had already been cast as Eliza Doolittle in Lincoln Center's upcoming revival of My Fair Lady. This article didn't really have anything new. It was a pretty brief article, except that Page Six reached out to Ambrose's manager who said, quote, 
let's talk on Monday. I don't know if that adds any more credence to it than what we already know. <laughs> Probably a 10 um, but I would imagine release, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll get it. We'll get that uh, that that embargo to talk to the manager on Monday. Um, but I, I do wonder, James, if Page Six running a story about it, Frank Delella talking about it on New York One. I wonder if this moves up any timetables that Lincoln Center might have for announcing. Um, Eliza, whether it's Lauren Ambrose or not, I, to be honest, I told you I, I would be flabbergasted if it wasn't her at this point. Um, but whether the announcement comes on Monday of her as Eliza or not, we don't really know if they're going to include the name of the actor who's playing Henry Higgins or if they've even cast anybody at this point. So we'll have to wait and see. We know they're trying to go for a big name. Um, they've talked about Colin Firth and and Kevin Klein, and apparently both of them have passed, and they're still trying to work on them and some other folks. Um, but like I said earlier this week, while Lincoln Center has a subscriber base, and I think My Fair Lady will draw a certain number of people in and of itself, if they go with Lauren Ambrose and a not huge name as Henry Higgins, I think that that could be um, a little underwhelming for Broadway ticket buyers, especially at whatever prices they put out there. I think that if they want to make this a huge smash hit, they need to at least have a big Broadway name, um, you know, like they've had with, you know, Kelly O'Hara and and some of the previous Lincoln Center things. But I I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what and when they announce. I'm thinking that if they go with Lauren Ambrose and somebody who's not a a large, large star uh, for, um, that Haley Joel Osment might come in and say, I see dead people. No. <laughs> Haley Joel Osment is great. He was in a movie called Tusk in 2015, which I absolutely yeah. loved. Let's not let's not hate on Haley Joel. Oh, not hating on him at all. <laughs> not at all. No, I know. You're talking about the fact that there might not be a lot of people in uh in the Vivian Beaumont. Yeah. So the full no cast way. is announced for the Prince of Egypt world's premiere. Yes, James. Yesterday Theater Works Silicon Valley announced <laughs> <laughs> what's, this what's was so that funny? show out east, right? Yes. That was ha- yeah, okay. Keep going. Yeah, we'll talk yeah. about that. Yes. <laughs> they announced casting for the world premiere of The Prince of Egypt based on the 1998 animated film that features a score by Stephen Schwartz. The show will make its premiere in Mountain View, California in October before going to Denmark in April of 2018 for an international co-world premiere. I don't know how that actually works, a co-world premiere. Anyway, the show will star <clears throat> Dilikshan Jayaratnam. Uh, Geratinum? I, I don't know. Don't at me on the pronunciations. I honestly don't care. Um, he will be playing Moses. He is a Danish native of Sri Lankan descent. Um, he will be joined by Broadway alum Jason Gote as Ramses, former Broadway Eponine Brennan Lark as Zipsora. I've never seen this movie. I don't know these names. Uh, Tom Nellis as the Pharaoh and more. We will have the complete cast in the show notes at broadwayradio.com if you want to check that out. James, as you alluded to, um, as I'm sure a lot of people remember, um, it does not or it does appear that they learned their lesson from last fall's canceled whitewashed concert production of this show and cast the show either completely or nearly so with actors of color. So I'm uh, proud of them for learning the lessons very well <laughs> uh, argued on Broadway World's message board about how uh, that was probably not the best way to go about casting even a concert version of this show. So when they went out and uh, did a global search for people of color, they didn't uh, send press releases about it, did they? 
James, why, why are you trying to pick fights with Broadway producers? I, I'm not. I I'm not. I'm just asking a question. They did. I do not know that they did any press releases. No. And please don't talk about Daddy Longlegs. Oh, just leave it alone. You just leave it alone. Mind. Read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I think that Asif Manvi could have been in Daddy Longlegs, couldn't he? Well, he instead. Instead, he's going to join the Brigadoon concert. He is. Uh, yesterday, it was announced that the wonderful Asif Manvi yeah. has joined the upcoming New York City Center Gala production of Brigadoon. He joins Patrick Wilson, the aforementioned Kelly O'Hara, Heidi Blickenstaff, Robert Fairchild, and more in this concert production of the Learner and Low Classic. Well, I think most people know Manvi for his comedy work, especially from The Daily Show, um, or for his starring role in Disgraced Off-Broadway at Lincoln Center. Um, he does have Broadway musical Chops, having played Ali Hakim in the 2002 revival of Oklahoma, which James, who starred as Curly in that production? Hugh Jackman? No, not no. correct. He, he did the London version that transferred. He did not transfer with it. It was Patrick Wilson who played Curly oh, yeah, in that yeah, production. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So uh, they're reuniting and it feels so good. The gala performance of Brigadoon will be on November 15th with six additional, additional performances running from the 16th through 19th. And then finally in this section yesterday, we learned that the filmed version of Disney's stage musical Newsies will be coming to Netflix on September 5th after a record-breaking run of screenings at movie theaters across the country via Fathom Events. Now, James, as was announced at the Television Critics Association meetings um, earlier this month, Disney will be pulling all of its properties from the streaming service when their contract ends at the end of next year, at the end of 2018. Disney will then start its own streaming service sometime in 2019. So I guess watch Newsies as much as you can on Netflix over the next year and three, four months. And then uh, you'll have to wait until Disney gets their own thing up and running to watch it again and carry the banner as many times as you want. Do you know who the largest single shareholder of Disney stock is? Um, I feel like I do, but I don't know off the top of my head. I feel like I've heard this bit of trivia. No, who is it? Uh, Steve Jobs' wife, Lorleen. Oh, really? Yeah. Very interesting. All right. Good to know. I think they'll probably be able to figure out some sort of technical way to do it then. Or maybe it'll be part of iTunes. Apple-based, Maybe. Could be. Who knows? All right. Betty Buckley calls on Angeloid Weber to prevent the Trumpster from using <clears throat> memory at rallies. James, this is the weirdest headline I've ever written for this show. Yeah. I, I just, I mean, okay. So <clears throat> last night, Donald Trump gave what, in my opinion, was an unhinged campaign <laughs> speech in Phoenix, Arizona. And yes, that is correct. It is like... Seven months after he was inaugurated and the rally was, in fact, paid for by his 2020 reelection campaign. Anyway, as Anderson Cooper was speaking to CNN reporter Sarah Murray before the rally started, you could hear the iconic Cats power ballad playing in the background. And the always astute Michael Urey tweeted, quote, were they playing hashtag memory from at Cats Broadway OCR as the pre-show at Trump's rally just now? At Betty Buckley is gonna be pissed. To which the two-time Tony winner replied, quote, this is terrible. At official ALW, you have to say no to this. I'm sure she was uh, quoting Hamilton there. Um, then in a follow-up quote, in a follow-up tweet, she said, quote, thanks everyone for telling me about memory being played at 45 rally. Not with my permission, certainly. Please all write at official ALW. I, 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 Jane, I, 
I just don't know, James. Uh, certainly, if there are ways for artists and rights holders to prevent their music from being used at political events and they want to go ahead and do that, I'm all for it. But to me, the biggest issue in this story is what in the heck was someone from the Trump campaign doing playing memory at a rally in Arizona? Like that couldn't be a there couldn't be a worse choice for ramp up music than that. I mean, that's just so bizarre to me. Like who stuck their iTunes or their iPhone into some speakers and said, hey, let's play some cats. This whole Trump presidency is like really, <laughs> really bad performance art. We're all being we're all being punked here. This he he's such I've a got it. fucking train wreck. <laughs> I've got it. Here's what's gonna happen. On the day that he is impeached, he is going to take off the hair and take off the prosthetic makeup, and it's gonna be Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman has been Donald Trump for the last thirty years. That's what this is. That's what this is. <sighs> You heard it here first. <laughs> I love me some Andy Kaufman. Oh, my God. I love Andy Kaufman. Oh, uh, remember the uh, wrestling matches he would get Oh, into? so good. With Jerry the King Lawler down in Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, yeah. So good. Uh, so good. And then the Mighty Mouse, lip syncing to Mighty Mouse on like one of the first episodes of Saturday Night Live. So good. You got to go watch that. So he, there was a great book by his writing partner that I read in college. So great. So great. We need more. People like Andy Kaufman. How did Taxi never get a reboot or end up on a stage in some fringe show or something like that? <laughs> well, it probably did get a fringe production at some point because everything's gotten a fringe production. But that would be great. I mean, think about all the great people that were in that. I mean, between you had Andy Kaufman, you had Tony Danza, you had Danny DeVito, you had uh, Mary Lou Henner, Christopher Lloyd. What a great cast that was. Um, and um, was Bernadette Peters in that too? Who played? No, they did a movie together. Her and Andy Kaufman did a movie together. Um, Heartbeats, it was called. They were robots that fell in love. Wow, we are so off um, topic at this <sighs> what point. What was the Alex Sheedy movie about robots? Uh, Ooh, number that nine. I don't Alex Sheedy, that number nine. Trivia question. All right. All right. Why don't you get us out of here? If you know what movie James is talking about, send your answer to trivia at broadwayradio.com. Anyway, thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter at BWMatt, and subscribe to something like a pop on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Okay. I mean, you can send it to trivia, but Peter Felicia is going to be like, what the hell is this robot thing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't read the trivia things. Peter reads them. <laughs> My name is James Marino from broadwayradio.com and broadwaystars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Thursday with us. We're a little punchy. I'm sorry. And we'll be back tomorrow and uh, wrap up the week with you. Bye.